Welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner, and along with Kristen Chase, I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com. Today, Kristen is out, and I know she will be super jealous because today I get to talk with Joy Cho of Ojoy about the importance of promoting creativity in kids and how we can all do it a little better. And of course, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. I'll be back with Joy right after this. This week's episode of Spawned is brought to you by Destination Maternity. We all know how expensive maternity clothes are, but we also know how great fitting, smart, stylish clothes make us feel so much better when we are pregnant or postpartum. Well, here's one way to score lots of fashionable, high-end maternity clothes that you'll love and save a ton on them. Destination Maternity stores are closing, and that includes a pee in the pod and motherhood maternity stores. That means that all three stores are having massive sales on absolutely everything just in time for spring shopping. Visit a store near you and you'll save 50 to 70% on incredible clothes and accessories and then up to 30% more. Buy eight items or more and you'll save an extra 20% off your entire purchase. And if you mention the Spawned podcast or Cool Mom Picks, you will save another 10% through March 15th. If you're pregnant, postpartum or nursing, you'll find so many gorgeous, high-quality clothes from dresses to jeans, swimwear and accessories, even skincare and baby gifts. Just pop into any destination maternity store, including a pee in the pod and motherhood maternity stores. But you've got to hurry to find a store near you. Check out stores.motherhood.com. That's stores.motherhood.com. Head on in and don't forget, mention the Spawned podcast or Cool Mom Picks to save an extra 10% off already discounted prices now through March 15th, 2020. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest, not that you probably even need to know this. I'm sure you do. If you've ever been online ever, you probably know Oh Joy. <laughs> Joy has the most followed account on Pinterest, and I know a lot of you are on Pinterest, nearly 13 million fans, which is mind-blowing. She's a mom of two and the founder and creative director of Oh Joy, which was launched in 2005 as a graphic design studio. It's grown to be a lifestyle brand and design studio that includes so many amazing licensed product lines through collabs with independent brands like Freshly picked, which we love, to home decor for Target, tech accessories from Microsoft, and my favorite stylish bandages for Band-Aids, which I have bought. <laughs> she also publishes daily editorial content with a focus on design, fashion, food, and joyful moments from everyday life. You may have also seen her company featured in Time, Fast Company, Oprah, Domino, Parents, InStyle. It goes on and on. And for two years in a row, she was even named one of Time's 30 most influential people on the internet. Now she's spending more time helping entrepreneurs, particularly women with one-on-one -on -one business coaching and mentoring through the Ojoy Academy, which is perfect. She's also given keynote speeches on entrepreneurship, leadership and businesses and consulted for hundreds of small businesses over the years. If that weren't enough, which is clearly not, she's also authored three books and has three more, especially for children coming out in 2020. So welcome, Joy. Thank you for having me. The more I read about you, the more I wonder how you even found the time to spend a half hour with me today. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to make time for you. I'm so glad. We've been such fans for years, as you know. All people have to do is search for Joy Cho on Cool Mom Picks, and they will see tons of posts about all the amazing things you've done. So before we get into this idea of creativity and kids, which is one of my favorite topics, I just want to touch on work-life balance a little. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about that after reading about so many incredible things that you are doing. How do you 
you make sure you have balance with family time? Or do you think balance is a myth? How do you handle it? So that feels like the ultimate question. I think that's something that we all struggle with. I think it's something that we all think about. I think it's something we all ask other women who we see, who we feel like are killing it and doing amazing jobs. And it seems like they're never floundering and they just have it all together. And then the truth is we're all just doing our best. (laughs) We really are. I mean, here's the thing. Whether you have kids or don't, whether you have a full-time job or you work from home or you're a stay-at-home mom, like we all have a million things going on as you have more and more responsibility. But especially once you become a mother, I think that you realize that your priorities do shift. And sometimes it hits you harder than you expect. I know that when I became a mom the first time and then when I had my second baby, I I had this picture of how I was going to be and how I was going to handle it and how I thought everything was going to go. And of course, it completely does not go that way at all. And if anything, things come up that you just never expected because you have not been in this phase of life before. I love that you brought that up because we always say like the best birth plan is not to have a birth plan because nothing you think you'll do will happen. One of my favorite parenting book titles of all time is I was a really good mom until I had kids. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I have not heard that, but I love that. So what changed for you? Like, what were you expecting versus the realities? So I started my business in 2005. And so by the time my first daughter came in 2011, I had a business. It was growing. I felt like I was pretty good at what I was doing. And I just thought, okay, I'm a goal getter. Like, I know how to handle things. I'm like good at getting my work done. A very type A kind of mentality. And then all of a sudden this baby comes and the baby doesn't follow rules because they don't know. And you to teach them to sleep and eat and all these things. And they're just like so unpredictable, especially in the beginning. And so I think that my type A control free kind of nature just did not work all of a sudden with this small child. And I just had to revisit what it meant to be a mom and what my version of a mom was. And that was not something that came easily or overnight. I mean, I re-figured out my new normal with my first baby and then I re-figured out my new normal with my second baby. And those are the shifts that happen in life all the time, whether you get married or you buy a house or you have kids or you change your job, something changes with your partner, you get divorced, whatever that might be. So the whole balance question for me, I've always said it's more of a juggle than a balance because balance implies perfection. It implies that there's like a perfect lineup of things that just make it all work. And that's not the case. To me, it's a juggle. And juggle sounds a little bit more just realistic. Like you have a certain number of balls in the air that you're trying not to drop and you do your best. And on good days, they all stay in the air and some days they fall and you have to go and pick them back up and it's fine. Nobody got hurt. We're all fine. For me, priorities have been really helpful to sort of prioritizing what's important both at home and at work and with your friends and your family and how much you can really do realistically and giving yourself the grace to know that it's okay that you can't do it all but that as long as you're doing the important things and you know you can feel good about that and also asking for help I mean that's the biggest thing I think for me when I became a mom is that I was so used to doing so many things on myself and feeling like I could do it all and I really had to get used to relying on other people whether that's a child care thing whether that's your partner and making sure that you communicate with them what 
you feel you need, but also knowing that your partner, if they are really there for you, which most partners are, they want to be involved. They want to help. And for some reason, moms think they have to do it all alone. They think they have to like cook and clean and take care of kids and this like weird domestic role that we think we have to be because like that's how society pictured us a long time ago. Oh, yeah. And it's still there. It's still stuck there. And I had that vision of myself too, which I don't know why, because my mom was not like that she worked multiple jobs she barely cooked you know so it's like I don't know where I got that vision in my head that I had to be any different but I did and so it wasn't until I had like a really good conversation with my husband one day where he was like why do you think I want those things if I wanted a domestic wife I wouldn't have married you (laughs) (laughs) when my mom first met my partner she said to him just so you know you're not getting a housekeeper and a cook He's like, that's not what I'm interested in. (laughs) Exactly. And some people are great at that, but some people are not. And that's not my strength. And so just to have those real conversations and don't assume what other people think about you. Don't assume what they want from you. Just have the conversation because it's going to make you feel better. It's going to make it more clear. And it's just like more clear communication overall. And let me follow up on something because I'm glad you talked about kind of not needing perfection. Do you feel like to some degree your brand, the images you show to me, it looks close to perfect. Like everyone looks gorgeous. Every photo is perfect. Your home never looks like a disaster like mine. Do you feel like what you're putting out there is your real life? Because I know that's a question a lot of social influencers get asked. So it's a mix. I mean, I don't want to be the person where you think like you never see anything is wrong. Like that's not me. You know, if you follow me on stories, if you see my posts, like, yes, there's beautiful stuff because Oh Joy is about happiness. It's about positivity. It's about bringing joy to your every day. And so I do want you to see things that are going to make you happy, make you smile and inspire you. And that's probably the stuff that you're responding to. But also there are things that I share where I'm talking about how hard things are, how I'm having a tough week, how um, I feel like I failed as a mom this year. Like there's a lot of stuff I talk about like that. It's not going to be every day because I'm mostly trying to be optimistic, but there are just times when, you know what, I'm going through some stuff. I know that you can relate. I know that we've all been there. And by me sharing, it's not only therapeutic for me, but it's therapeutic for you as somebody who's following along. So I can see how that's the case. I'm very much somebody who does not want to have it all be so perfect, but I also put a lot of attention to detail on the work that we do. And so therefore you're still going to see those beautiful images. But you know, on my stories, like it's so funny because I'll just do stuff at home and people will see piles of laundry in the background and they'll see like, (laughs) I mean, and that's why stories are so fun because it's even less edited and you just kind of just do whatever you want. And also you're a designer. I mean, I think people have to understand that some people are just visual experts and like, that's your skill set. You're really good at that. Like, that's not my skill set. I'm a writer. And so I can write a really nice thank you note for you, but you're not going to come over and find the perfect paint color in my home. So I think it's good to also like be aware of what we can and can't do. Exactly. And that's the thing is that sometimes people ask that like, oh my gosh, your kid's Valentine's must be so cute and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, they are because that's like kind of just comes so natural to me. But I'm not the mom who's going to the bake sale baking like a million pies that are like from scratch. You know, like we all have our strengths and I don't apologize for my strengths because that's like what I can do. But I also know that like that's my thing. But there's like a lot of things that are not my thing. Never apologize for what you do well. <laughs> <laughs> Ever.
Whatever. Exactly. I think this is actually a good segue to talk about our topic today, which is kids and creativity, because I think sometimes creativity is actually about the lack of perfection. I want to know how you define it. Like, what does creativity mean to you, especially in terms of children? For me, you know, coming from an art background, like I went to art school, I'm a designer now, and that's like sort of been my life. I just want to be able to foster that in my kids and encourage people to foster that in their kids in whatever form it is. Even having an art background, I'm not sitting with my kids right now and trying to be like, here's like the exact technical way that you draw something in perspective, or here's how you use those pastels to make that drawing. Like, I just want them to create and make. And for me, it's just about taking them a little bit outside of like your standard, here's some crayons and some paper, which there's nothing wrong with because that's like the base tools. It's kind of like running, like what's like the cheapest, easiest way to work out? It's running because it's free and you don't need that much stuff. The cheapest, easiest way to be creative is to draw with crayons and paper. So great, like base level. But when you have an opportunity to bring materials into it for kids, and these are not expensive materials. These are like when you just can get textural things like pom-poms and beads or sequins or like different things that you can get at any craft store. It's just giving them an opportunity to create and imagine and explore in another way that's beyond two-dimensional, I think is really important as well because those types of skills will go beyond in their future life as well, just their ability to sort of visualize things. We're not, okay, here's what we're doing. Like, I'm not really stuck in that. I just give them opportunities to create. And I also try to get them involved in things that I'm doing. So for example, you know, as parents of one kid, two kids, more than two kids, you go to all these birthday parties all the time. Literally, you're like always going to a birthday party. And if there's an opportunity for them to um, make wrapping paper from scratch or decorate a bag so that they can just have it be personal instead of buying one from the store. Little things that are handmade, but it just makes them also think about the recipient. Like I love that too. Like I love mixing in creativity with gift giving because I think then it brings more meaning to it. Yes. that Actually, that's one thing I love that my kids do is they always surprise me and they're a little older than your kids. They're now 14 and 12. When I say, listen, you got to make something for the grandparents for Christmas. They are really good at coming up with clever ideas that are never anything I might have thought of. So I think sometimes creativity is not just about having a box full of craft supplies, but like letting kids solve problems creatively. You know, I think sometimes we neglect to think that the way kids construct a Lego set is creative or the way they solve a coding problem is creative and that it doesn't just have to be about the things you make with your hands or crafts or things that we design. Exactly. You know, you can just use creativity and making to teach other lessons about other things as well. I mean, it's like a great way to add in even just when they start picking out their clothes and having opinions about picking out their clothes, like giving them an opportunity to like draw their outfits and come up with outfits, create new clothes. Like what would you do if you could like just create your own outfit? Like what would that look like? So I try to just do a lot of that. And creativity to me is not always just physical and drawing and the actual act of it. Sometimes it's something that we do in the car. We're stuck in LA. We have long car rides. There's traffic. Are there things that you can do and exercise you can do with your kids while you're sitting in the car that is not a screen that 
you can engage them in. Yeah, making up games is like one of our favorite things. Like my kids have taken games that were on app games and turned them into car games that are so fun and funny. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I want to talk about the value of creativity a little bit. We talk about creativity a lot with younger kids and a lot of our listeners have younger kids, but a lot of our listeners also have tweens and teens and beyond. And I think that after preschool and especially when my kids hit the tween years, I noticed that from a societal perspective to some degree or cultural perspective, that we are very impressed by creative talent. Like you're so artistic or wow, you made your own clothes or you can do calligraphy or you make films. But we don't seem to value creative thinking in the same way as kids get older or we just don't see it or acknowledge it. There's a lot of focus on like, wow, you're really good at math and STEM is really important to help you with a career. But I think we don't always acknowledge that that's also a kind of creativity and that creativity, well, like we were saying, is about problem solving and is something you use in life and not just to make something. I agree. It's not that people don't want to value it. It's just that it's harder to see. Yes. Your child can go to school, whether that's kindergarten or being a senior in high school, and they can make a piece of art in art class and they can bring it home and you can respond to it. But if they are solving a problem in some way that's different than a math problem, you don't necessarily get to talk to them through that all the time because it's already happened. They've already done it. So I think that's also something that's really important to engage at whatever age your kids are where there are things that you have to do at home. Here's like a basic example. You're making cookies and you decide you want to make more than just like the normal recipe and you need to make one and a half. I mean, you know to do the math on that, but why not have your kid help you figure out how to do the math on that? Even though that's math, there's also creative problem solving there. Yeah. How do you do a half an egg? Exactly. (laughs) Or you're short on an ingredient and maybe that ingredient isn't crucial for it, but is there something we could substitute in instead of those chocolate chips, is there something else we could put in there that would be really good and tasty? And that uses some creativity as well and just imagining, ooh, what could this be? Instead of chocolate chip cookies, but everything else has ingredients for chocolate chip cookies. And that's the harder thing to do, especially when you have little kids who won't get it right away and they're not gonna be the quickest with it. It does take more time for you to stop and do something like that. And we're not going to always do it because sometimes we're just short on time. But I always try to like think about if this could be a learning moment for my kid. And if so, and I find the time, it's worth it to take that time to, to do that. I love that. You know, it's especially valuable to me because I have two girls and my oldest is like, the kind of more traditionally creative kid. You can see it. She paints and she draws and she does digital art. And you can see that more easily than you will with my younger kid whose handwriting is like the quintessential doctor's handwriting. And so I think for a while she felt like, well, I'm not an artist. Well, I'm not good. Well, I'm not creative. But meanwhile, she writes the most hilarious stories. Even if she's doing like a TikTok video, she just finds the funniest ways to do it that I haven't seen before. And then we finally got her a set of brush pens. And it turns out she's really good at that. And she feels so proud of herself because she feels like here's something I can do that you can see now. And I think like helping to praise her for the things she was doing well and the things she was trying to do really meant a lot to her so that she wasn't like, well, I'm not an artist and felt that she was somehow lesser than. So how do you praise and encourage your kids? I've been reading that. Where did I read this from? I don't remember. Some parenting book something. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many. (laughs) 
something said to praise the process and not the end result. Yes. Praise the verb and not the person. Exactly. You worked really hard on that as opposed to that's a really good picture. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can say it's a really good picture, but it's also saying I really love how you took the time to figure out the detail of the face or I know you were frustrated and you couldn't figure this part out, but you took a break and you went back to it and you finished it like that kind of stuff. It's so easy for us to praise the end result because that's just what we're used to. We don't think about the other part, but I think it's really important because kids aren't feeling judged and just like the final result and like that. They feel proud about the work and the time and the um, motivation they put into it. That's such good advice and such a good reminder. Like I think as parents, we can't hear that enough. Even as an adult, I can tell you, I like hearing stuff like that from my own mom. So I I really Uh, like that you're bringing that up. And you know, I think questions are good too. Like sometimes I'll say, can you tell me about the colors you chose? And you may realize that your kids have done something you didn't even see that was really creative and interesting and we just didn't pick up on it. Totally. Yeah, because sometimes you're not there in the process part. And I think that's that's the tough thing too and why it's easy for us to forget. So let's talk about this idea of failure, which we kind of brought up in the beginning with, you know, when you juggle, even professional jugglers drop a ball sometimes. And, you know, I've often heard that limitations are the biggest opportunities that when we have problems, that's where real creativity comes in. And so I've tried to talk about that with my kids. How do you talk about failure with your kids or not getting the results they want or if they're frustrated by a project or something they're trying to do? You know, it's so funny because I think that with failure, even as a grown up, whatever I tell my kids is the same thing I'm going to tell a peer or myself. And nobody really wants to hear it in that moment, but it always works out, right? So what I try to tell them, and this is the same thing I would tell my 40-year-old peer friends is that, listen, I know this didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to, and you were hoping it was going to turn out differently. But the great thing is that we're going to learn something from this. And after this, you're going to be better and stronger at whatever, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. And it's always true. It's always true. There's been so many things that haven't gone my way and so many things I thought were going to happen right and didn't happen or a job I was going to get and I didn't get it. And whether it's because of something that we did that we maybe didn't do correctly or it's just the way it worked out. Like this is the way that life worked out. It always ends up putting us in a direction that is better for us and or we've learned something from it to make us better equipped for that situation next time. I think that's wonderful that like there's always something good that comes out of every failure. There's no adult I've ever talked to that hasn't found success out of the jobs they didn't get, the jobs they got fired from, the test they failed, the course they bombed. Like there's always some story about something that they thought was life ending, career ending, school ending, and it turned out to be like the most incredible opportunity. Totally. Although it's hard to talk about that with a four year old, you know. So do you have tips for parents who don't see ourselves as creative per se, but we want to foster it in our kids? What are some of the things that we can do if we're like, oh, I'm not really a creative person? That's such a great question because I think a lot of times parents who maybe feel like I don't have an artistic bone in my body feel very limited in trying to foster that in their children because they feel like they don't have the guidance for it. But also if you think about it, I'm not a math and science expert, but I still want my kids to know about math and science. If you think about it flipped like that, if that's not my strength, I wouldn't all of a sudden just not have my kids do anything about it. So here's the thing, if you're not that great at it, there's so many resources out there. There's so many great like 
craft and art kits these days that exist that you can subscribe to or try it out once, see if you like it, that just basically put everything in a kit together. And sometimes those things can get expensive. So that's not necessarily like the only option, but if you have the ability to try that out, it also might help give you ideas for things that you could just do without the kit later on. Because a lot of these is basically just putting together a bunch of materials and putting somebody through a project to do from start to finish. And so that's just great for kids who can feel like they can do that or you can help them with it if they're little. Also, there's so many amazing books too and ones that are very workbook oriented. My friend Mary Cherry has this book that just came out last year about process art and she's amazing. She's a studio here in LA, but her physical book, which anybody can buy, it just talks you through all these different art projects you can do from home and with stuff that you have at home for different age groups. That's the kind of stuff where you just shouldn't feel limited based on your own experience or your own talent. There's so much stuff out there. And at the end of the day, whatever that end result is, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be any specific thing. It's just about the process of being creative with your kid and using your imagination and just like trying something. I love that. I mean, look, my kids do not remember that when we tried to build the giant Minecraft Lego that I put things in the wrong place and this part would stick to this part. All they remember is like, we built that giant Minecraft Lego. Yes. Kids see things differently than we do. And they remember the experience of doing it together. Exactly. And that's the thing is they don't always remember like the end thing. It's about the experience and the process that they love. Oh, that's so good. I feel like it was kismet that you were named Joy and you're all about spreading joy. (laughs) It's also very easy from a branding standpoint. Like Liz, I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's still three letters, which is always like nice and compact and easy. Oh, good. I like that. That, Good. (laughs) I will take that as a win. So listen, I want to hear a little bit more about the children's books you're coming out with this spring. I saw that on your Instagram feed and I was like, what? I got so excited. They look gorgeous. And not surprisingly, the messages. Now, look, I've only seen the covers, but they seem really timely. Are they about creativity? Like, can you talk a little bit more about them? Of course. So we have three kids books coming out this year with Scholastic. They are board books meant for ages zero to three, but really they're also great for young readers. Like my little one who's five, who's reading right now is like it's perfect for her to be able to read herself when we were thinking about what these should be i really wanted them to foster the qualities in children that i want them to have through becoming adult qualities that i think are so important so curiosity and kindness how you deal with feelings so our first one which comes out in april on april 7th is called be curious and that's all about curiosity and it follows this cat through this sort of magical door in the forest and you kind of see what he or she is coming across and the questions that are asked and it's meant to sort of ask you questions like what do you see what do you hear and all the things and just be aware of your surroundings and just appreciate that and see like the joy and the beauty and all of these things the second one, which is called You're Okay, that comes out in August, and that one's about feelings. So there's this hedgehog who is going about his day, and things just keep going wrong, and it shows different ways to change those feelings. And sometimes it's about a friend helping you, and sometimes it's about just it's okay. You know, you need to cry it out and then you move on to something else that might be more your thing, you know, if you're getting frustrated by something. And then the third one is about kindness. And that one comes out in December. And that's about all the different ways that we can be kind. And so it has a storyline and it's light and lovely. But at the same time, there are messages there that 
I want kids to remember. And the cool thing is, because my kids obviously get to preview all this stuff, that second one, the Year OK book, I wrote that keeping my little one in mind because she has to do a lot of performances at her school. And there was one not long ago where she completely like cried and ran off stage Aww. and she's nervous. And so the story is kind of based on a bunch of animals that are all working to prepare for the show. And at the very end, it describes the feelings that you're having, like the nervousness and the butterflies and all that. And then so we're kind of giving a pep talk to that. And the line that I say in that book at the end when the hedgehog is getting ready to go up in the show is exactly me thinking about my little one Coco. And since she's read that, she she says that to herself and she just was in this play a couple months ago she was one of the leads in her preschool play and she did amazing and it's just like the fact that she read my book and she herself internalized it and like said those words to herself and she told me about it is just like that's exactly what these books are for that's exactly what they are for and I just haven't gotten to test them out on other children because they're not out yet but it's it was just so great to see that those are great themes I mean the idea of curiosity and being okay and recovering and kindness. Those are three great messages that are very timely right now. And those sound like they're going to be great baby shower gifts. Although you already know that, I'm sure. Great baby shower, like first, second, third birthday. I love them. I really love them. So and they look beautiful. I mean, you can see them all on ojoy.com. She has a category for her books or I'm starting to see them pop up on Amazon. So Tommy Joy, where else can we find you? You are all over the internet. Hard to miss. But for, you know, the one or two listeners who may not know... Where can we find you? You can find everything Ojoy at ojoy.com. And from there, you can find our blog with all of our content, 15 years of content. And then on Instagram at Ojoy. And then all of our products are also at Ojoy Co. And then, of course, on Pinterest, if you just open Pinterest with 13 million followers, she'll just probably come up in your feed anyway without even following her. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. And so now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool picks of the week. I have to say, Joy, I'm a little intimidated because I feel like your entire life is dedicated to picking super awesome, cool finds, but I'd love to know what you've got for us today. All right. Well, Liz, it's not going to be what you think because you probably think I'm going to pick like an object that's like cool and pretty and something like that. It's actually a beverage. So I recently tried this brand called Minna. I think that's how you say it. It's M-I-N-N-A. It's a sparkling tea. And I'm trying to cut my coffee consumption back, but I've also never been like a huge coffee drinker. I love tea as well, but also, you know, when you need caffeine, but you don't want a crazy amount of caffeine, tea is great. So in the summertime, I've always been like, man, I love sparkling water and I love iced tea. Like it would be so cool if someone made a sparkling tea. And so someone made a sparkling tea. I just tried them a couple weeks ago. It's a newish brand, I believe. And they have a few different flavors, but they're great. It's kind of just like if you took LaCroix and you added a tea essence to it where it's very sparkling and refreshing, but there's that nice tea aspect. I'm so excited. Is there sugar in them? Like, is are they oh, sweet? there's no sugar. So it's not sweet at all. Cool. Actually, I just did a quick search. They look beautiful. So, of course, they look beautiful. But I found in Bon Appetit right away an article that's called, I'm now a person who drinks lightly brewed sparkling tea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds great. I I am absolutely 100% going to go pick this up because I, too, need to cut back on coffee hugely. I can't believe how much coffee I'm drinking lately. And I'm also cutting back on sugar. So I'm all up for, like, any alternatives that don't have, like, artificial sweetener in them. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
Okay, so my pick actually is kind of pretty. Kristen talked about it a couple weeks ago. We have been doing a style over 40 hashtag on our stories lately and on our Instagram feed. And people have been responding so well. I posted a pair of boots that I love and they sold out really quickly. So we're like, oh, maybe we should do more of these. And so one of the things I posted about that people were really interested in is I have this amazing DVF Diane von Furstenberg shirt dress. She comes out with tons of gorgeous, amazing patterns every season. But I find them kind of timeless. Like you can wear them for years. I'm very into not so much fast fashion, but like buying pieces that I really value that I have for years and years and years. And so I got this shirt dress. It's just like a mid thigh length dress with a tie around the waist. Very simple. I'm not as skinny as these models. I can't wear them with the little heels, but I can wear them over leggings or I open it up without the belt and I wear it kind of like a tunic over leggings and a longer shirt. And people loved them. And so I just want to highly recommend them. If you're looking for like one really good solid wardrobe piece that you can get a lot of work out of that like brings your wardrobe up to date. Now that said, DVF can be super expensive. I think if you buy the brand new ones that just came out, they're like in the $400 range. But if you like a bargain, which I do. She has huge sales all the time, like 50% off or more. And I even found a couple on her site. They're called pajama shirt dresses and they're like in the hundred range. So that's a big difference. So they're, again, they're not like target prices, but they're really nice. They will last you a long time. And especially if you work in an office or you go out to a lot of meetings, it's a great, great staple. And I love it. I love that. Well, that's it for this week. What an inspiring episode. I really hope you enjoyed that. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Joy Cho, and of course, to our wonderful engineer, John Bowen. Hey, there are a few things that you can do to help spread the word and support Spawned. First, you can subscribe. Super easy. Just hit that little subscribe button right there on whatever device you're listening on at this moment. You can download or save our episodes and you can leave us a five-star review. We just got another one. Thank you so much to Hannah WW25. We are glad you've learned and laughed so much because that's what we're here for. <laughs> Thank you. It was a really lovely review. And like I said, it makes us kind of a little teary and it does. That one really does. And hey, if you're a listener, then you're already part of our Spawned podcast community. But to make it official, join us on Facebook. Find our group through the link on our podcast page on coolmompics.com or just search Spawned Podcast Community on Facebook. We make it easy that way. We'd love to have you join us to chat about everything we talk about here today and basically anything else you want to chat about at all. Got any questions? We answer them. Got any cool picks we should know about? Send them our way. We are open that way. Thanks so much for listening. This is Liz. Kristen will be back next week. Have a great day. Bye.